Thank you, Neil. Good morning, everyone. Turn to Revelation chapter 13. If you're new to the church, we're going chapter verse by verse. This is a very important thing we talk about today. It's called the second beast. Say it please, the second beast, the false prophet. Now, this Friday at noon, we start our 24-hour prayer time. People coming for one hour to pray right here. Also, let me give you a heads up. This speaker we have at our prayer conference, Alan Hood, he's an Asbury Seminary grad. He is one of the most dynamic speakers in America. We got really fortunate that he was willing to come to our little church and help our city. But I'm telling you what, it's going to be powerful, 9 o'clock Saturday, and uh, you're going to really enjoy that time. Father, as we study the word, open it to us. Teach us today and change us in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Now, let me mention a number of things here. Uh, right out of the chute, I want to tell you a story. Do you know what this term means? D-Day? Do you know what it, do you know what the definition of the term D-Day is? It actually has no definition. It is the invasion of Europe to liberate Europe back to freedom. And D-Day just means the date that the Allies chose to do this invasion. It had been planned for two years. Look at that. Look at that photograph. It was the largest amphibious invasion in the history of the earth. Well, how big was it? Well, 156,000 troops landed from three countries, the U.S., from England, and from Canada. Brave, 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 courageous men who paid a price. Almost 7,000 ships, 2,300 aircraft, 867 gliders that put 20 men or so in one of these lightweight, almost paper mache uh, planes and just towed it on a line and released it. And a lot of those guys died when they, ca- when they crash landed, all designed for five beaches there in France. Do you see the five? History was made right there. Now, why are you telling me this? I'll do anything I can to help you understand the scriptures a little better. And this story will help you understand what we're going to teach on today. Now, even after D-Day, the war continued on in a rage for another 11 months until Germany surrendered on May 8, 1945. May 8th, newspapers all around the world, war is over in Europe, and it was called VE Day. Do you know what VE Day stands for? Victory in Europe. Look at that wonderful photograph of happy young people in London. They'd been bombed for several years, so they were very excited that 
this was over and the boys were coming home. Now, this is my point. The fate of Adolf Hitler and his wicked empire was sealed on D-Day, June 6, 1944. Are you with me? That's when it was sealed. There's about 4 million Russians attacking from the east, and now we've landed in the west. So his fate was sealed on D-Day. But before the war was over, this wicked man said, I've got one more desperate plan I want to execute. And it was a surprise attack, attack in the middle of winter when the Allies were unsuspecting. It was Hitler's major, last major of offense. Now, if you look on the screen, so his armies are attacking there in the red color. And they're passing through a forest called the Ardennes. Everyone say Ardennes. And the Allies thought it's so mountainous and so thick, Germans would never plan an assault through it. So this is their goal. Their goal is, Hitler said, I want to split the Allies. I want to make a beeline for Antwerp. We had all the depot, fuel, ammunition, food, medical supplies. And maybe the Allies will sue for peace if I pull this off. He had over 400,000 troops marching through those forests about 50 miles across. 1,400 battle tanks, far better than anything the Allies had, 2,600 pieces of artillery, and 1,000 combat aircraft. He caught the Allies completely off surprise. One of you guys told me their father was in this battle, and we had a brother here that was a member of our church that went home to be with the Lord a couple of years ago. He fought and was wounded here at the Battle of the Bulge. So the Americans were completely caught off guard. 47,000 wounded, 1,900 killed, and 23,000 missing, probably captured. Everything was going the Germans' way for six weeks until a group of American paratroopers held out at the little town of, do you know, Bastogne. And they said, we're not going to surrender. And they held up the German advance until George Patton, this is where he became famous, got there in double time with 230,000 troops they pushed the Germans back after six weeks hard fighting. Now, here's the point. Are you ready? Jesus Christ accomplished the ultimate victory at the cross and at the open tomb. Someone say amen. amen. Everyone say thank the Lord. And Satan was defeated at the cross. That's where he was defeated. That's where our freedom was purchased, at the cross. And we're always grateful for that. But the war, was is the war over, yes or no? 
How long has the war been continuing? Another 2,000 years. And the war will be more vicious and more bloody because Satan is still fighting harder than he's ever fought because he knows his time is short. It's very, very short before he will be dealt with. So therefore, he wants to bring as many people down. He wants to ruin as many nations, churches, marriages. Oh, he wants to take out a whole generation. That's what abortion is about. Take out a whole generation of, of warriors that could have fought against him. So what we read last week and what we read this week is Satan's last gamble. It's his very last battle plan. He has no other plans other than what we read about in chapter 13. Now, how long will Satan and the Antichrist have during this time frame? How long? 42 months or three and a half years. Says it five times. Why? For our benefit. Five times. So he's been running around the earth in the visible realm, destroying everything he can touch. His time is just about over. And I'm very excited about that. No more war. No more murder. No more crime. No more death. No more leukemia. No more any of that stuff because it will soon be over. Now let's go to the book. And we finished off at chapter 10. I explained what chapter 10 said last week. If anyone is to be taken captive, to captivity he goes. If anyone is to be slain with the sword, with the sword he must be slain. Here is a call for the endurance and faith of the saints. Now, at some point in time, the church will be raptured. I don't know when the church will be raptured. I've read all the theories. I've studied all the theories. I could teach all the theories, but I frankly do not know. What you need to pay attention to, this is written to the church. So you need to have a heads up. So the word perseverance or endurance and the word faith are the two things Jesus says the people that follow him must focus on. It's very, very important. Is there anybody in this room that between now and January 1st would like to have a stronger walk with Jesus? Hold your hand up. Do you want to walk stronger with Jesus between now and the end of the year? It's your decision. You and I are as close as we want to be. Now, when it comes to these difficult times, Christians need to be tougher than we've been in the past. A lot of us just aren't very tough. We get washed around by the waves of the sea, tossed and driven. One day we're very close to Jesus. Two days later, we act like he's not even around. We tend to walk by sight instead of walking by faith. We need to be resilient. Do you know what that means? That means you can take a hard thing and get back up the next day and start trusting. It doesn't mean you don't have to like it. It doesn't mean you don't understand it, but you trust the Lord. And so you're going to get up the next day and walk with the Lord 
and not fall apart at every little wind that blows our way. Let me say this, friends. Are you listening? Your family needs you to walk with Jesus. Your family and your neighbors and the people at work need for you to be stable. Your family needs you to know the book, read the book, be able to pray, be able to share the gospel. Your family needs you. None of this is about you. Just get our eyes off of us and think about the Lord and think about others. So here's this, we start this off by saying endurance and faith. Lord, build my faith. Lord, make me tough. Help me to follow you. Now let's go to the passage, starting at verse number 11. John writes, then I saw another beast. Everyone say another beast. Rising out of the earth, it had two horns. How many horns? Like a lamb, and it spoke like that of a dragon. It exercises all the authority of the first beast. We studied who is the first beast. I'm sorry, who's the first beast? The Antichrist. We studied that last week in his presence. And he makes the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose mortal wound was healed. It performs great signs, even making fire come down from heaven to earth in front of people. By the signs it is allowed to work in the presence of the beast, it deceives, underline that. What is going to be the great warrior, the great warfare? It'll be deception. It deceives those who dwell on earth, telling them to make an image for the beast that was wounded by the sword yet lived. And it was allowed to give breath to the image of the beast so that the image of the beast might even speak and might cause those who would not worship the beast to be slain. Also, it causes all Look Look who it lists here. Small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to be marked where? Where does your Bible say? On the right hand or the forehead, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of its name. Now, this is Jesus' perspective, verse 18 gives you a clue this calls for wisdom let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for it is the number of a man and his number is what six 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 so john starts out in verse 11 saying i saw another beast come out of the population other scriptures call him the false prophet this man is the third person of the counterfeit trinity the devil can't make anything all he can do is destroy so what he does he counterfeits the real what do you mean counterfeit the trinity well 
He will develop a worldwide leadership and religious network. The scripture says, now here's the names of the Trinity. One God, three persons. Say it with me, please. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Always existent. What is the false trinity? The dragon, Satan. The beast, the Antichrist. And the false prophet that mimics the ministry, I think, of the Holy Spirit. Now, the false prophet will present his authority. And when you see the word horns, symbolically in Scripture, it talks about authority. Look at this nice, tender little lamb. How many horns does he have? It's a big deal that he has two. And if you look on your outline, we have point Roman numeral one. Then we have Roman numeral number two. From this passage, it seems like he has a two-pronged goal. Worship and economy. And so the false prophet appears to be gentle. Appears to be warm. He is a persuasive mortal or human. Yet... He actually is masquerading as a lamb, the lamb of God. So he is a counterfeit. But he is just as cruel, just as much of a wicked beast without control, vindictive, deadly as the Antichrist. This man will be also one of the greatest speakers and orators who ever lived. And he will so sway the masses that because of his speeches on radio, television, satellite, podcasts, personal appearances at stadiums, he will cause the earth to embrace the dragon's agenda. And people will fall in line and they will, once they embrace the agenda, they will worship the Antichrist. In chapter 13, the word worship is used five times. Worship is always what Satan has wanted from the very beginning. He was jealous of the Father. And his demonically empowered speeches with will be confirmed With signs and wonders, are they legitimate? I don't know, but they will sway the gullible. Do you think most people in our country, are they very shrewd and wise? Or most people, are they gullible? I would say most people are very, very gullible. The scripture says the simple believe everything. By the way, I don't want you to ever take my sermons and say this is true. I want you to wrestle with the scriptures. You wrestle with the scriptures. So the phenomena will happen like this. People's eyes will be tricked because of these amazing things that will happen. And and their eyes will be tricked. 
but their hearts will, they'll sit there in the stadiums or sit there watching television and they will go, I feel odd about this. This is kind of weird. I'm kind of torn up about this, but most people will just follow and betray their hearts. Point number four. The false prophet prophet will establish a global system of worship of the Antichrist. And the centerpiece will be an image. Everyone say image or a statue, statue or an idol that will be in the coming temple built in Jerusalem. Now, this is a statue of uh, Shiva. One of the false goddesses of India. I've seen a number of them there. It's a very tall statue. I've seen people worship statues. And the newly constructed temple is not there now. But the Jews are accumulating every piece for temple worship. And they're getting ready to go. And you look at this drawing. That's the western wall, the wailing wall. And you see Jews going about their business. You see an Israeli flag. But you see this majestic temple built where it used to stand in the past. My guess is this new world leader, uh, the beast, will broker the most amazing peace treaty between the Muslim countries and the nation of Israel And he will probably pay for the construction of this temple. And his goal is deception. Now, the greatest weapon the devil has ever used has been deception. He's all smoke and mirrors. He is the father of lies. He invented lying. How many in this room have ever told a lie? Hold your hand up. You ever told a lie? If you didn't raise your hand, you just (laughs) lied. I've I've lied. Have you ever noticed when you tell one lie, it's easier to tell a second one because you don't want to admit to the truth of what you did, and so you lie. I hope you don't have a problem with lying. If you have a problem with not telling the truth, you got a problem. Because what will happen is people won't trust you. It's better to tell the truth and take your punishment than try to hide with a lie. Because you're letting the devil into your head and your heart. Tell, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So, here is a definition of deception. I don't ever want to use a word and not define it. Deception is the act of causing someone else to accept is true what you know is false and is invalid that's the definition of deception have you been deceived would that be yes or no i'm sorry have you been deceived before i have we've all been deceived and here's the crazy thing We all probably have some deception in our heads right now. We think something is true, and it's probably not true, but we can't see it. You know why? 
because it's a blind spot you can't see it the holy spirit may be trying to probe and put his finger on it but you're saying no that's what i believe do you have people that you love that you know are deceived would that be yes or no yes how about people that are lost without christ are they lost because they're smarter or are they lost because the god of this world has blinded their eyes to the truth I mean, how could you not want to be forgiven? How could you not want to go to heaven? How could you, how could you get up one day and see a sunrise? How could you get up one day and see a thoroughbred colt that is born and is standing in 30 minutes and in two hours can run faster than you can? How can you see a thoroughbred colt? We raised horses, get up and know to nurse its mama and get those extra vitamins that that colt needs right away. Who put that in that colt's head? The creator. How could you ever look at a watch or your iPhone that may have 15 or 20 pieces? Did these come together because something exploded? I knew when I blew stuff as a kid, they just went, it went everywhere. <laughs> when stuff explodes, it doesn't come together. Knucklehead. I'm sorry, I need to be sweet. Sweet, Pastor. Okay, I'll be sweet. What do you think? Do you think our country is deceived? Oh, yeah. It is. And we're, we're no paragon of truth, but my concern is for the body of Christ that's deceived all across the nation. And we're going to be in for a rude surprise one day. Now, if you can keep your finger there, I'm going to turn to Matthew 24, and I want to show you Jesus' concern. His last week of his life, he's in Jerusalem, and this is before he goes to the upper room, and he's doing what is called the Olivet Discourse, which talks about the things to come in Matthew 24 and 25. But chapter 24, verse number 24 Jesus warns, false Christ, false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders. And the next phrase is key. As to lead astray, if possible, even the very elect. So how do you keep from being deceived? How do you keep from believing a lie? How do you keep from wasting your life? I've got three suggestions. One is your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I'll send another one, a comforter. He will teach you all things. He will lead you into all truth. He will keep you, convict you, help you. He's the helper. Listen to him. And this verse from Colossians 3 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. Well, how does that work? Well, it works like this. If you're a person of prayer and you're in the word, the Holy Spirit will tell you yes, will tell you no, he'll tell you wait, and you feel it right here in your spirit. Now, the old Christians from a generation ago used to talk about something called a check in the spirit. Have you heard of that? A check in the spirit? Well, what what does that mean? That means 
you have an opportunity or you hear something or you're around something and something doesn't sit right. It feels odd. It looks good. It sounds good. But right here, it doesn't feel right. You know what that is? That's the Holy Spirit telling you no. And every time I've gone against that little check in my spirit, I've always paid a price because I disobeyed the Lord. Listen to his voice. If you feel uncomfortable, don't go there. Wait till you get the green light. The, the second one is the word of God. Everyone say word of God. Get in the book. Read the book. I suggest every Christian read through the book every single year. The book. The word is a lamp to my feet. It shows me what's ahead. It is a light to my path. It renews my head and strengthens my heart. If you stay in the book really thorough, devotedly, you're going to do well all your life. You listen to the Holy Spirit and the last is the body of Christ. There's a lot of Christians that love Jesus, but they don't love his people. I get that. I used to hate Christians before I was converted. I didn't like pastors. I didn't like the church. I just didn't trust them at all. I had a bad experience. But let me tell you what, we all need the body of Christ. We're all sheep and we need to be in a flock. And Proverbs says this, where there's no counsel, the people will always fall. In the abundance of godly counselors, there is victory. I need people speaking into my life. I need people helping me say to make adjustments. I need that. And we, we're going to need this in the future. We're going to really need this in the future. Point number seven. Apparently, seemingly, the false prophet will give to the image the ability to breathe and the ability to speak. Now, here's... Another statue of Shiva that's probably 60, 70 feet tall. You can imagine going before that to pray and all of a sudden it speaks back to you. Or you see the chest moving. It would be quite uh, intimidating and captivating at the same time. This movie, what's the name of the movie? Wizard of Oz, what year? 1939. Dorothy and her three buddies are in a dilemma. They can't fix themselves. She can't get back to Kansas for sure. And so they're told, go to the Emerald City. And there's one person ruling in the Emerald City. And that is a great and terrible Oz. So they they finally get an audience with a great and terrible Oz. And there's smoke and fire. And out of this projection in the back is this... I am Oz, the great and terrible, fear me, so-and-so, so-and-so. And the four go, oh, they want to run away. and They're about to run away out of the big room until the hero of the story, Toto, remember Toto? Go, there's something funny behind that curtain. And Toto runs over there and runs under the curtain. And what's behind the curtain? The real wizard. He was a snake oil salesman 
and all his effects are conjured up and on machines and stuff showing really what a frail, dumb guy he is. It's all smoke and mirrors. And I believe this image in the temple will be, even no matter how authentic it is, the devil, everything the devil does is smoke and mirrors. We don't have to be afraid. It's smoke and mirrors. The freedom of religion will be over across the earth. You will have two choices. And this is a drawing, a painting of the next, the third temple that will be built on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. You see construction workers in the background. You see people going to worship there. And the deal is, if you don't worship the image of the Antichrist, you will then be declared guilty of a crime against the state. And the scripture says, Jesus said, you will be given the death penalty. Okay. Focus one, worship. Focus two, the economy. I don't know if it's at the same time or shortly thereafter with the false prophet. He's the one. He will launch launch this false economic system. There will be a required identification mark, just like these poor Jewish people there in Munich. They have to sew the yellow star on their coat. It must be on them all the time. It is identification. People during this time will have identification. And the two choices are, you will conform to this global government and worship the beast. That's choice one. Or you will resist this government and be considered an enemy of the state. Just like the Hebrew servants said, I'm sorry, we're not bowing, we're not worshiping, whatever you have to do, go ahead and do it. If Jesus can't take care of us, it's okay, but we're not bowing to this false God. No way, no time, never. Both of these are public declarations. Would you say this first with me, please? And everyone... Who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. Say it. And whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. You see the picture? What's going on in the picture? Is baptism something you do because your friend's doing it or because your mom wants you to do it? Around the world, baptism is a very costly thing. Might send you to jail. You may never go to college. It may cost you your life, but Christians do it because I'm making a public declaration in front of my village, in front of my family. I now follow Jesus. And both of these decisions are both public declarations. Now, this is a bit of conjecture, and I don't even know. I may not know what I'm talking about, but stuff happens in our culture so rapidly. If you notice how 
fast our culture is changing. But a lot of us, including me, got one of these certificates. I got mine a year and a half ago. I took the vaccine. I took the shot, not because I needed it. I mean, some people probably needed it. It probably helped some people. I only took it because I was going to be traveling in countries. And if I didn't have the white piece of paper, I was not getting on a plane. I was not getting through a custom. But it kind of went crazy in some places. You're not getting into a restaurant. You're not working here. At hospitals, nurses and doctors were fired because they wouldn't get it. It was kind of crazy. Then a year later, nurses were told they had to come to work even if they had COVID. I mean, it just makes no sense. People in the military have been drummed out of the military because they just didn't feel comfortable to do it. I have had my little head scanned a bunch of times going in places just because that was a requirement. And I know the illness was very contagious and it was deadly for people. My own wife was in the hospital for six days. I get that. But I've been on some planes this year where you go up and you stand in front of an op-ed kind of thing and you get your face photographed. It goes into a database that is held on. Frankly, it's, I did it, but it's kind of creepy because now people can kind of track me wherever I am. And I, I know we want to protect the wrong, protect ourselves from the wrong people getting on planes, but it's just still a little creepy. We all have these phones in our pocket where people can be monitored where they go. And I've been in countries around the world where there's more and more security. We got security in our church. It helps us. But there will come a time it will be used against us. And we are moving toward a cashless society. I walked into a restaurant this week here in South Lexington. I'd never been in. I just wanted to see what it was like. Big sign on the counter. We will not accept cash under any way, shape, or form. The issue is... We've never been at a place in our country where the things we read about could actually take place. So the mark of the beast, and I don't know if it'll be tattooed, if it will be imprinted. The thing I do know, I don't know if it'll be visible or if it'll be invisible, but it will be a choice of right hand or a choice on the forehead. Some way, shape, or the other. I don't know if it's only visible when you come up before a machine. But here's how the devil works. He can't create anything. All he can do is destroy. He's never going to give freedom. His deal is control, manipulation, and bondage. And the more you see that in a culture, the more you kind of figure out where we're headed. Now, our Savior always offers freedom. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And not controlled by others, but self-control. 
the fruit of the Spirit. The last one is self-control. You know, the most wonderful, obedient, helpful people are born-again Christians filled with the Spirit because they're full of self-control. They help people. Now, I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it. When this time comes, everybody that wants to work, and we all want to work, work is good. Jesus created work. We're supposed to work. But if you want to work, if you want to buy or sell, which means unleaded gas or a loaf of bread, everyone who wants to own property or sign a lease on an apartment, everyone who drives a vehicle, at least legally, we have to have things registered with our government if you drive a vehicle. If you get treated at a hospital, you go to a dentist, you go to see your doctor, you go to an ER, you're going to have to display your identification. If you attend a school, elementary school or university, if you use media under any shape or form, and we all use media, Or any other activity. You join a country club to play golf. There will be a question asked and you will have to present an ID. Now, I don't know if this is coming four years or 40 years, but I don't think it's 400 years from now. And by law, you have to have the mark. Now, the picture on the right I think it's a man that willingly got an implant in his right hand because he was told that can be the new wallet. You can have everything that you need right there to buy and sell right there in your hand. Or you face the consequences. Here's some good news. I believe there will be an underground system just like there was in World War II where there are millions of people that say, nope, not going to do that, not going there, not going to make me do it. There will be an underground economy, an underground resistance. There will be whole nations that will choose not to go along with this. Look at this picture of these young people in Paris in in the resistance movement. And my thought is the ones leading this are going to be young people Gen Z's, millennials. If you're a Gen Z or millennial, I want to take my hat off to you because you're extraordinary. You have good hearts. You want to make a difference. You're tech savvy. You just don't take, you don't just listen and agree to because somebody tells you stuff, you think about it. And you want to give your life for something big. And that may be what's coming up. Now, both the image of the beast, two things, the image and the mark, are going to consolidate his empire and actually finance it. My thought. Now, this is the most important thing I want to say today. I want you to turn in your Bible to Revelation 14. It may be the most important thing I say for six months. 
you can disagree with me. It's okay. I'm wrong on stuff. But wrestle with the scripture. Here is Jesus' warning. That's, this is really why we're doing this series. Because most Americans have no clue about any of this. And the deception will be so strong that when you need gas to go to work or you're threatened, you're either going to lose your job or you're going to conform. Or your children are hungry. A lot of people are going to say, okay, it's not a big deal. I'll just take it. But look at Revelation 14. You got your Bibles open? Please mark it. Got your, hello, you got your Bibles? Another angel, a third, verse 9, followed them, saying with a loud voice. Why is it loud? It's important. If anyone worships a beast and its image, if anyone receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink the wine of God's wrath, poured full strength into the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. They will have no rest, night or day. By the way, they are in the lake of fire. Those who worship the beast and its image, whoever receives the mark of its name. My point is, whatever happens don't do it this needs to this passage needs to be in your dna you got grandchildren you got children you got friends you need to know this passage now here's a conclusion i want to give you some hope i want to give you some encouragement this will be the greatest moment for the body of christ Jesus said this in verse 18, here's wisdom. So he's saying like, listen up, everybody. This is very important. Well, well, okay, what is wisdom, Jesus? One, the Lord will expose the, the deception of the Antichrist about who he is, what his plans are, and how he works. Well, why doesn't he do it today? Because he's not around. He's not going to give it to you. He's not going to give it to people until they need it. Are you with me? If he gave it too soon, you'd just blow it. Now, currently, nobody that I know of on the planet Earth knows what this symbol means. I've read articles, I've looked at books, and there's pastors that will teach on this, and they'll go with a numbering system from the Greek and a numbering system from the Hebrew, and we can pull up this name. Uh, I'm just telling you, nobody knows the meaning behind the symbol at this time. They will. But when the time comes, the Holy Spirit will clearly reveal the truth to this charlatan. Everyone say charlatan. This charlatan's identity. Seven. Number seven. Number seven, worship team, would you guys come on out? Number seven is a divine number. And it's repeated in the book of Revelation 
many, many times. We started out with seven churches. We talked about seven seals. We talked about seven trumpets. We talked about seven bold judgments. I was just curious yesterday. I counted every one of the sevens in the book of Revelation. I was surprised. There's 32. Why, Steve? It is a subtle message that God has all this in his plan and we're good. God's in control. Someone say amen. God's in control. We're good. Point number three. Six has significance. Six is the number of humanity. Where do you get that from this passage? And Adam, the first man, a real person, was created on the sixth day. Satan, once the archangel Lucifer, has always been envious of God the Father. He's always wanted to be the triple seven, the sign of perfection, completeness, and divinity. That seven, seven, seven is a sign of the perfect trinity. Yet, he can never get there. The best he can be is a measly six, six, six. He lost again. He always loses. He always falls short. And there's going to come a time when the Savior will come with that big right foot of his and squish his little pumpkin head like a rotten tomato. Amen. He always falls short. The only power he has in your life or in our country is power when it's given to him. Don't give him an inch. That liar will take everything from you. Point number four. We can trust the Holy Spirit to give revelation so people can recognize the truth versus the lies if they want it. Go home this afternoon and read those passages in Daniel. It will encourage you. Plus, the people alive at this time, the people that love Jesus, will know what God wants them to do and last. I got great news for you. I got really good news for you. This is a time when heroes are going to be born, made, and be victorious. This is a time to raise your sons and daughters. This is a time to be skilled in spiritual warfare. The other good news is this. These two men are the devil's absolute last move, and they lose. They lose. Now let's take the Lord's table together. I hope you all have it. This is for people that love Jesus and are walking with him. If you're not walking with Jesus, you need to wait a while. You need to talk to him. 
decide if you're going to recommit your life to the Lord and walk with him. But this is for his people. And this is not some religious experience. This is not something churches do all the time. This is a public declaration that you're in. And you're in forever. And you're grateful for your salvation. And you realize the victory on the cross is paid for you so you can be totally free. So if you would peel back the cover where the bread is and put the bread in your hand and hold it in your right hand and say, as I pray, Lord Jesus, we just love you. Thank you for your willingness to come as a man, live perfectly, down a cross, and rise from the grave to purchase us a place in heaven. We recommit our lives to you today in Jesus' name. Take and eat. And peel the other side open, please. And likewise, dear Lord, you took the cup and said, this is the blood of my covenant for your forgiveness. And I will not do this again until I do it with you in heaven. So Lord, thank you for the forgiveness found in Christ. We all need it so badly. We enjoy your mercy today in Jesus' name. Take and drink. As we continue to worship, the best time is the last time. It's the time for you to tell the Lord what you've heard him say to you. The altar is open for you to come and humble yourself. You can worship in your seat. There's people that will pray for you on both ends. But enjoy the Lord's presence and talk to him in Jesus' name. of his blood. Just 
Death brought liberty, his death brought liberty, oh his death brought liberty. May I never boast in anything except the cross of Jesus Christ. May I not forget the blood he shed. It is by his death I am alive. Because of Christ I am alive. sacrifice love that washed me clean love that washed me clean love that washed me clean what a blessed mystery is punishment my peace is punishment my peace oh is punishment my peace May I never boast in anything 
except the cross of Jesus Christ. May I not forget the blood he shed. It is by his death I am alive. Because of Christ I am alive. has lost its grip on me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus rose in victory. He's alive, alive in me. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Death has lost its grip on me. Accept the cross of Jesus Christ. May I not forget the blood he shed. It is by his death I am alive. Because of Christ I am alive. Because of Christ. I am alive because of Christ. I am alive. You know, maybe you're watching online today or you're in the room and you know you're not right with God. You know you're not where you should be. Why don't you settle that today? Why don't you pray with me and say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I'm sorry I've been so stubborn and arrogant and so self-sufficient. Now I know I can't fix myself. 
So I give you control of my life. Be my Savior and Lord. Give me a home in heaven. Make me your child because I am now your servant and your soldier. Use me powerfully for your kingdom's sake. Change me in Jesus' name. Amen. There's people here that will pray with you. Ask the Lord's help. Pick up your children. Have a great day. Serve him well. Thank you for joining us online today at Church of the Savior. We hope you were encouraged to grow in your walk with Jesus. If you made a decision to follow Jesus for the first time today, please reach out to us. We would love to help you take the next step. Please visit our website for information on upcoming events and how you can connect with the COS family. There is also a prayer request form where you can let us know how we can be praying for you. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope to see you next week.